this is something that a passage that has been really significant to me over the years. Uh, I was only in Bible quizzing for two years. I got saved when I was 16 and uh, I knew I, I grew up in the church. I grew up kind of riding the altar. I never, never had really anything stick. I was right on the verge of, of uh, just kind of giving up on, on it all and um, had, had kind of come to the end of my rope as a, as a teenager and, um, and at youth camp one year, I just finally hit the point where I said, okay, Lord, um, if you can do anything with me, I'm yours. And um, I had reached a point where I was, I was beginning to be convinced uh, nobody could. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and he did, and he's, and he still is. And I still, uh, it's funny. I, I have, when I, when I have conversations like I had last night, um, I'm not filled with, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't categorize somebody as, well, they're not going to make it. Look at all this that's just kind of out there uh, because uh, I don't know that they're any farther out there than, than I was or am. Uh, but there are, there are personality traits uh, that can be really negative in their expression. Uh, but when they're sanctified, uh, there's still the potential for negative, but God can, can turn those personality traits into uh, a ways to make a major contribution to his kingdom. And, you know, the, if you think about the classic ADHD uh, setup and how somebody's wired when they have ADHD, uh, focus properly, a lot of those traits are not negatives. They can be, uh, they can be really uh, positively, uh, they can make great positive contributions. And I'm just convinced that God has, has done that with me. And uh, one of the things that, um, that I've, I've had the ability to do from the time I was a little kid is over-focus on something, uh, if it, oh, but only if it caught my attention. Uh, it was hard for me to just decide what I was going to be over-focused on. I was uh, at the mercy of whatever happened to catch my attention. And uh, when I first got saved, I had, I had kind of seen from a distance that there were people involved in Bible quizzing. Even though I, was, I grew up in the church, I was, I was at church all the time. I just had zero interest in it. I never really thought about it much. I just knew that there were these kids doing this. And, um, and so I, when, once I got saved, I thought, man, I got to do something different. So uh, they were getting ready to start Bible quizzing season at church, which, I mean, seemed utterly ridiculous to me, even as a church kid. Um, like, what are they doing? Why? <laughs> and it's this big competition. They're, they're uh, memorizing vast amounts of scripture. They're they're trying to see who can answer the questions the fastest. Then I learned about pre-jumping and and uh, how many were any of you Bible quizzers? Am I all alone here? Just Tim. Uh, so Tim and I know a little bit about this. So I I uh, I went to a, like a the organization meeting for the local church Bible quiz team, and uh, and I think uh, Dwayne just uh, gave a thumbs up. Maybe he was a part of this, and uh, and I got to think I got to looking at. It, I thought, well, I'm not going to have a social life. So I might as well jump into this with these uh, weirdos. And, uh, and as it turns out, um, they were some of the most normal, well-adjusted, fun people to be around that I'd ever, uh, that I'd ever have the, pri the privilege of being around. And uh, I got into it. It caught my attention, thankfully. And it was uh, one of the best disi early discipleship tools that I could have ever dreamed uh, of having. And uh, the first year was First and Second Corinthians. And uh, it caught my attention, so I set about. I found out that there were there were people in quizzing who were memorizing the entire book, and so I thought challenge accepted. And so I was spending a lot of Friday nights, a lot of every night study hall, 
um, uh, memorizing vast amounts of scripture. And uh, because I wanted to do well at these uh, competitions, because uh, I do have a little bit of a competitive streak uh, in me. That's pretty selective, too, though. Uh, and then um, so that was the first year. Then the second year was Hebrews uh, and first and second Peter. And so I got these um, these four or five books of the Bible that to this day, I was only in it for two years. I was a junior when I started. I was only in it my junior and senior year. Uh, and and to this day, it's those five books of the Bible that are my go to's. Uh, that when I when I have a random thought or random Bible verse, when I have uh, the Holy Spirit bring something to mind and and apply it to a situation, it's amazing how often it comes from one of those five books that I committed entirely to memory at one point. In fact, they still if I go back and read a chapter five or ten times, I could come real close to uh, to quoting it um, even this day as a chapter at a time. Back then, I could quote you the whole book if you were, had the patience to listen to it all. Um, and and that that um, caught my imagination, and and, and I got to tell you, it um, I made it for the first time in my life. I sustained um, a commitment to Christ, and I I began to find myself living like it, and thinking like it, and feeling like it, and um, and so I was just really 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 uh, grateful for that. So this is one of the passages that um, has become uh, a massive part of my imagination. And my thinking, I, I for me, the passage starts at the end of, uh, I got the wrong version called up here. Give me just a second. By the way, another, another side effect of this is that um, my entire biblical imagination now is in uh, NIV 84. There's... Um, as far as I can tell, that's the authorized version. All right. I'm going to start in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 35. I could start earlier, but I got to start somewhere. And I just want to read through this. I'm going to try to read it unhurried. And, um, and, and if you don't follow along on the written page, that's just fine. Uh, but just kind of let yourself uh, follow along uh, in this passage as it moves. And I think it, it does a really good job of speaking for itself. Um, so ch Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. 
By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died, yet none of them received what would have been promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood and that, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more can I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Anybody else uh, been tempted to lose heart once or twice along the way? Uh, anybody besides me uh, find yourself uh, in desperate need of a reminder of how God has come through uh, for the those in the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11? Um, and I'm oddly comforted by the knowledge that they gave their whole life and never saw the payoff in this life, and yet were faithful to the end. Is that too much for God to ask? Uh, if, if God asked that of me, and there's no payoff in this life, there's just holes in the ground and caves and all this stuff that's talked about in Hebrews 11, um, does he still get all of me all the way to the end? And this is something that... Uh, that God has uh, used in my life in high school. He's used it in my life in college, contemplating a call and what church I was going to give my life to. You know, when, when you're on the front end of your journey, uh, you're trying to decide. Uh, like, I, I, I felt like I needed to decide, am I going to stay Nazarene? Am I going to give my, uh, my life in this church and through this church? Um, and, um, and I'm, I made that decision. I remember it was my freshman year of college and I'm uh, thinking about these things. Uh, I don't know if most freshmen, freshmen in college are contemplating this kind of stuff, but you know, here I was in biblical literature and Greek classes and, um, and uh, I was preaching on weekends. I was thankful for those opportunities and I'm, I'm trying to sort out, uh, is this, is this, um, is this going to be it for me? Cause my life was pretty consumed by pre preparing for ministry and, um, and I finally had to come down to a place where I, I decided it really doesn't matter how it all works out. Um, it only matters that, that I'm obedient and I, and I give my life where God says to give it. And, um, and then he'll take care of, he'll take care of the rest. As it turns out, uh, God has, um, has given us blessings that I would have never been bold enough to ask for. And uh, along the way, sometimes when the times were the toughest, the blessings were the sweetest, um, all at the same time. And I wonder if uh, that's where a lot of these faith heroes, you know, we, we read these, these summaries of their suffering. Uh, but I wonder if when they were in the middle of it, if they didn't, if they didn't feel thankful to be there. Uh, isn't that crazy? But, but I think very possibly... Uh, those were the best of times for them, as Dickens might say, um, even while they were the worst of times. I think it was Dickens that said that. I didn't pay attention to literature very well, Sandy, but um, pretty sure that's right. Uh, and and I, I need God to remind me now and then that um, he did not call me to glory. That comes later. Uh, he called me to, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to uh, give my life and to find joy in, in what I what I learn along the way from others example, but then also from my own experience is that the joy is never sweeter when all there is to find joy is joy in is Jesus. I'll say that again. The joy is never sweeter than when all there is to find joy in is Jesus. And, uh, and, and so God has never, never once in my life up to this point 
has God ever left me so bereft of blessings that the only thing I could find joy in was Jesus? Um, but if he ever did, I hope my faith is um, is as good as these these that we just read about, um, and that by faith I might persevere uh, even in even in in that stretch, even in that season, even if uh, life comes to that. Um, because I think I've seen it in others who have it a whole lot worse than I've ever had it. Who've gone through things a whole lot more challenging than I've ever gone through. And uh, so many of them have set such an amazing example. I'm talking about the great cloud of witnesses, not just in the Bible, but and not just in Christian history, but in my own life, uh, who have some of some of whom have taken their place in that heavenly cloud of witnesses, but some of whom uh, are are in this um, chapel today. Um, you have become part of my great cloud of witnesses and knowing how you spend your life and invest your life day in and day out um, inspires me. Uh, to, number one, not be a whiner, and number two, uh, to uh, to go all out and thank God for the opportunity um, to uh, to do it. And I'm grateful for that. Thanks for uh, being the kind of community that that um, creates a rising tide for all of us to be lifted. And um, and day in and day out, you do that as you serve your students and um, as you as you simply get up and be obedient to the Lord and do what He says. Um, and that's uh, it's a blessing to be a part of a community like that. Um, I can only hope that um, that I make as as great a contribution uh, to those around me as uh, you all uh, make to me. And often, because we're not together every day, you're doing it in ways that you wouldn't even know had any impact on me. And yet um, the indirect effects of your uh, pouring into our students uh, is a blessing to all of us. And um, I'm just grateful to you for your um, your endurance um, your perseverance, um, for your, um, your joy in, in the midst of that journey. And that's, I'm, I'm just uh, thankful to be a part of it. So this is more of a, a scripture reading than it is a devotional. Uh, but, um, uh, God's word is always more trustworthy than my word. Anyway, uh, one, probably one of the messages uh, as a pastor that I've had the most feedback from for the longest time uh, was uh, one Sunday. I don't remember what the season was like in the life of our church, uh, but um, but my sermon that day, I decided I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quote Ephesians, uh, and I quoted as much as I could. I had the Bible right in front of me, and I read I read uh, most of it probably, and just quoted the parts that came easy to memory, and um, and that was my sermon. The the how many chapters are in Ephesians? Um, is it four? Is that is it only four chapters? Six chapters. Uh, I mean, maybe I need to read it again. Um, and that was the sermon. And it only took 25 minutes. And uh, I thought, well, this is going to be a little bit of a clunker of a sermon, just reading. Uh, you know, they could anybody could get up and read a book of the Bible. Uh, they don't they don't need a seminary trained uh, pastor to do this. They might decide just to uh, take care of this themselves. They may not be very impressed at all. But for some reason, God blessed that moment. We had a brand new family there that week. And they told me years later. Uh, the reason they came, they decided to come to our church is that sermon. So if I'd have got up and told my usual dumb jokes and and um, and and tried to come up with something clever to say, I would have lost that family most likely. Uh, but God's word speaks very very well for itself, and um, I find myself uh, more desperate for it uh, these days than I ever have in my life. And um, and I have not yet um, resisted to the point of shedding my blood. Um, and uh, 
God reminds me of that when I'm lamenting or whining. Um, and, and so, uh, there's, there's still more for me to give. I still got some lifeblood in me to, to pour out and I'm thankful for the opportunity to do it.